Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Ad Project Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joe Shellard from Ad Advance, and today I'm joined by Michael Swenson from Rocket Bike. Uh, Michael, it's awesome to have you on the podcast, man. It is fantastic to be here. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Michael and I have been talking at, we met, got to meet at a couple of different conferences. Um, I got yes. to sit down for a while at Unboxed in New York, which was really fun. And one reason I want to have Michael on the podcast is he does a lot of digging into the creatives and looking at your products and making sure that like conversion rates are solid through how you how you market them and how you put them out on your product detail page. And what I love talking with Michael is the data driven approach too, which can sometimes be more of an emotionally or fluffy driven subject. Um, so I wanted to have Michael on the podcast. And as we've talked about for our ads, I, you could have the best advertising strategy in the world, but if it goes to a product detail page that doesn't convert and turn into a sale, you can be wasting all your cash. And so if I looked at priorities as a seller, I would first start on the product detail page on the creatives. And then once that, that's nailed, kind of building the foundation, then we move to ads. And so key piece on why creatives and the product detail page and how you're showcasing your products are so big. Um, so Michael, just opening it up from there, I, I guess first question I have, as you're, you get to look at a ton of different product detail pages, what's like the Absolutely. most common thing you run into? Like, Hey, if we make this one change, it's probably going to have the biggest impact. Oh, okay. You started with a great question because I have one that is very actionable. Okay. This is probably one of the most important pieces of content. Once you're on the product page, we all know the secondary images drive conversion so powerfully. And, and we know that bullets are buried on mobile. They're more and more getting collapsed in accordions and, uh, you know, to prioritize the product overview section on the page. So, those secondary images come into play. And here is something that I have not come across a brand, even though we put together all kinds of unique strategies that I, I wouldn't recommend this first one for, which is use that second image, the, the, the very first one after the main image as an elevator pitch. You, you show another glorious image of that product, but you maybe have a shortened version of the title. Functionally, what is this thing? Is it a two pack? Here are a couple of the most important callouts, and even though it seems maybe incredibly redundant, it's so powerful. And so the the reason this is effective is that if it's data driven and it's you know we have proof in order of priority, the consumer's priorities. Uh, and let me step outside of this for one second and say, so we're talking about data. Mm -hmm. It's understood that you know excellent design and that the brand messaging has to be woven throughout. And that is the delicate, difficult dance of getting this right. So I'll step back in, but we yeah. won't talk about the, the prettiness of everything as much today, but that's just, that's part of the game too. Sure. Okay. So sure. that, so that elevator pitch should be uh, reinforcing. Yeah. Yes. This is what I was looking for. Oh yes. Oh yeah. It's the vanilla variant or it's, you know, this pack or whatever. And as we're all scanning things so rapidly, the assurance that gives is incredible. And of course, if they don't have to swipe through more images and they go, oh yeah, this is, this is right here. I'm ready to go. That's the dream. And so anyway, that's the first one I'll say. Most brands do not get that right. They have so many great looking 
additional content that certainly adds value. I'm, I'm, I'm sure adds to conversion power, but we haven't seen or tested anything stronger than that elevator pitch concept. And I'm happy to share it with anybody. Yeah. It seems obvious, but it just isn't. I love that. It's very rarely done. I love yeah. that. So walk me through like, all right, could you give another couple examples on like, what's a good elevator pitch? Like what, what do we include in that image? Sure. Great question. The, of course the product, and I would say this is where you can get a little more glammy. You know, if the standard white background image is a nice looking image, which I'm sure we'll get into in a second, uh, this one should be a slightly different, if, if possible, orientation. It could be something that's a little more um, arty. You know, if you have something with a very low perspective or maybe an isometric view, shift it up a little bit. But one big thing I'll say is the element that should be involved to help gain attention is make sure there's a nice color contrast that should make sense for most, most brands, either a darker background or a colorful one as you're you know, getting away from that white background so that it also just, you know, visually grabs you. And then what, what should be in there should be informed by data uh, in terms of all the little supporting details. But the top level, if this is a, you know, a seltzer water, say it's a seltzer water and what flavor it is. It, does, it doesn't matter that it's redundant. It's, it's really important. And as they flip through variations, it will change. And uh, you end up with this, you know, they, they don't get lost as easily as well sure. within the content. Sure. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, the elements that should be in there should be driven by data as much as possible, but certainly a shortened product title, kind of just loud and proud. Yep, yep, this is the thing that you were looking for. You're in the right spot. That's awesome. So how, how did you get into this space? Like, give us kind of a background story. Tell us a little bit about Rocket Bike. Absolutely. Okay, so I, I've been in the product space for most of my career, which is over 20, 20 years as an adult. Uh, and I started on the creative side, uh, product photography and website development and you know, building marketing plans and eventually was a brand leader. And then... We got into the Amazon space. That's been about 11 years now. Yeah. And this is the quick fast forward story to get to Rocket Bike. Uh, had a lot of success with a vendor account that we grew just beautifully with an, an awesome group, group of people and a large catalog. And we found that, you know, aggressively digging into main image uh, visual strategies all the way down to you know, ensuring we had great color correction and consistency across the images. And it was a massive part of the, the huge increases. And so I started getting obsessed with it then. I really, right from the beginning of, of my journey, when it really started intensifying, found that I can never let go of this creative side of me. I can never uh, overlook this part of selling the digital shelf uh, and, and not just too lost in other things. Sure. So, so Rocket Bike, uh, micro story on this. I hired Rocket Bike when I was a, a marketing leader inside a brand uh, for web web stuff back in the day, and just loved them. Became friends. So four years ago, uh, I joined as co-owner. We started bringing Marketplace uh, to the forefront more and more, and it's it's really prominent for us now. And so. We have become, as an agency, increasingly focused on you know, growth strategy, content strategy, and of course, executing a lot of creative for some pretty awesome brands. But it, 
I, it's a perfect infusion looking back of both sides that, you know, of the business that I love, that this is the area of rocket bike that seems to be growing like, like wildfire right now. That was um, awesome. Yeah. But passion's everything, right? Yep. You know, it, man. And I just important. had a realization. Cause when you said like 20 years working, like you look like a young guy to me. And then I was like, shoot, okay, I'm turning, <laughs> I'm turning 38 in December. And if I look at my, my <laughs> adult life, it's now 20 years. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. I'm actually 43. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, that's also the thing, right? We look around, we think each other looks young. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, other people keep looking younger to me. Eh? <laughs> that's right. That's right. You know, that's right. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, so as you're coming in, like, what are what are some other key things to focus on? Like, so if I'm a seller or a brand listening to the podcast, like, what's some other key takeaways as I'm looking at putting together my product detail page, or if I'm looking at how to market my products, like, what what's some core things that that people could become away with yeah so let's let's start uh with that main product image right because it, it is an extension of the product detail page to represent that product we went through this uh exercise to try to count all the placements that the main image is used and it's i got i got tired trying to do it i mean it was over 50 or 60 sure when you think about all the places that main image appears across ad, organic, wish list, checkout, <laughs> email reminders. And that, I, that is the most uh, undersold, deprioritized item in creative. It's like, oh, we got those. They're just you know background images. That happens a lot. I've seen massive brands kind of have that approach. And that they just hadn't been really truly informed and show, shown how important this is. So driving traffic this is essential and it affects everything you do advertising performance everything so when it comes to main images the phrase we like to use is visual prominence and it's a fun fancy word uh, phrase but um we need to stand out without being gaudy or, or off-brand it, it needs to have usually it's depth or some motion or some elements that don't violate uh the rules sure but it needs to be tested. It needs to be really looked at. And the job there is to make sure it's recognizable. Sometimes we see product images and uh, a lot of brands, I've, I've done this before. We have some bias. That's a big one. Just looking at products going, yeah, okay. Yeah, but as a thumbnail moving quickly, it kind of looks like a blob to me. This is like the image is too dark and these two parts are overlapping. I can't tell what it is. Sure. So just a little bit of a, attention to detail with those main images will go a very long way. And of course, I won't keep chanting it, but everything can be tested that we're talking about increasingly. And now with uh, uh, the simultaneous option, right? That's just popped up. Yeah. So, so uh, walk through walk through the options a little bit more on how to test. All right. So uh, sure. say let's focus on the main image itself. And mm -hmm. how do I test out different main images and then know which one is actually performing better? Walk me through that process. Okay. There are, of course native tools on Amazon that are, are very effective, but they're largely focused on conversion for their AB testing experiments. Sure. For main images, one of the most important elements uh, is of course, click-through rate. Yep. And we're not gonna get that from AB tests. So running that test 
is essential. And there's this great protection with Amazon's native testing where you don't really have to worry about organic rank or things happening, especially once you get into titles and things that are more SEO related. It should be run. And with that test, what I'll say is I'm not a fan of simply running till Amazon decides there's enough data. And that's just, it's incredibly subjective. I've seen those tests end in like a day for really high volume products. And I want to run it for two weeks when there's not a holiday event in the middle or something. You know, I, we, we need more control in our tests. So I think that's important. And if we're testing with CTR first there on that one, if there's decent investment on the advertising side, it can absolutely be measured as long as there are no major changes going on. And I would say getting down to a very specific level of a couple of campaigns, like these have been around a long time, you know, we, we know generally how they perform. It shouldn't be just kind of, you know, the entire performance of an ASIN, for example, looking at CTR. It would be great to kind of compare non-branded versus branded and all those things. And so when you're testing that main image, having an idea of what you're going to measure and the desired outcome at the beginning, like any good test, uh, is essential. But digging into that, yeah, I think it's, it's really important to segment. If you're going to measure it in advertising, which you should, uh, you have to, unfortunately, it's a little tedious to make sure there's no price changes, inventory outages, yeah. all those things, clear the path and then go for it. Yeah. So then when you're testing that, are you just like swapping out the image and then you let it run for a bit or like, are there specific tools that you use? Like, how would you recommend somebody does that if they're not using like the, the embedded Amazon tools? Yeah, I, I like longer tests. So I know there are lots of tools out there that, that can be can be leveraged. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of, of those because I think we can get just hands-on, review the data, and go after it. Those tools are incredibly helpful for lots of people, so I'm, I don't have a negative view on them. Sure. I've just always been obsessed with, like, where's the raw data that, you know, where we know that this is legit. Yep. So, yeah, running that for a decent amount of time, comparing it, and... When you flip it back, that's, I think, where a lot of folks go wrong. They, they measure they measure the new one. The new one did great. Now measure the old one again. We don't often want to do that. Sure. But if, okay, like we need to eliminate, um, you know, just a like confirmation uh, fallacy sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And, and one great data source that we've covered a bit is the search query performance report that Amazon's launched. Um, yes. and, and there, there's some really fun ways that you can use that. Like, cause it, what you're talking about, like really honing in on whether it's click through rate or conversion rate, it can be key. And, um, what you can do is you can look at your market share percentage for impressions, clicks mm -hmm. and orders. And so what you can see is say like, if I'm getting a 10% impression share for impressions, but I'm only getting a 8% or we'll say 5% impression share for clicks. That means that on average for that term, I'm being clicked a lot less times. I have a low, lower click-through rate than my competitors. And right. what's really valuable about that information is now you can really look at, okay, what actually shows up in the search results? All right, it's my title, it's my main image, it's my price, and it's my reviews. And so now you know 
completely what to focus on to really increase traffic. Whereas if yep. it's conversion rate, now there's a lot of other things that can impact that too that show Certainly. up on the product detail page. And so that's what's really cool. If you look at your market share percentage for impressions, clicks, and then orders, now you can see, all right, are people dropping off? Are they not clicking on my ad? Or do they click on my ad? Say impressions is 10% and clicks is 10% that says, all right, my click-through rate's about at average for that term compared to my competitors. But now if conversion rate, if order percent market share percentage is say 5%, now I know my conversion rate's a lot lower. Now I can focus on the product right. detail page itself, which still could include the main image or price. Um, but at for the sure. same time, you have a much better idea on where to focus. That's right. That's beautiful. Yeah, I love that. That's fantastic. We, there's so many uh, like approximations we have to make. Uh, but what you just listed there is the absolute closest one we could possibly get to you understanding CTR. Sure. There, there's, yeah, and it's I can't think of any too. other way that we would. Yeah. It, yeah. It. It's nice because it helps factor out some of those third party or those, those uncontrollable impacts too, like seasonality. Yes. Well, if I look at market share percentage, I at least have a good idea. It, it's a good benchmark against my competitors. Um, cause that right. was always the thing that I struggled with too, when doing these tests is well, okay, what else changed? You know, and especially when you're running these longer tests, there's a lot that can change with seasonality or shopping trends. And so um, it's fun to be able to distill down like, okay, here's how I'm doing truly against my competitors. That's right. That's beautiful. I love that. So we've got the the main image and the second image. What's some other key areas of focus that you're looking at? So let's get back into the data, right? The... The places we can get data uh, natively on Amazon, or of course, are getting better all the time. Even even Product Opportunity Explorer offers some pretty unique insights, especially now that they've opened up that uh, categorical view of those niches. Right, so that's that's a great that's a great source. Advertising data is a great source, and of course, we're all having to still leverage scraping tools to get lots of you know, insights from the outside that we just simply can't get from inside Amazon. Um, and so when we're looking at categorical data, competitor data, I think all these things are how people execute keyword research right now. That's not too complicated. Um, now the order of priority and how we translate that into say a creative brief uh, is the magic. And one element um, before we break down kind of the content pieces that spit out from all this, that I think is not leveraged well enough is sentiment analysis. And I know everybody is, you know, on board with sentiment analysis. Amazon's adding more tools to the page, but a true sentiment analysis with a little bit of training, you know, and, and the classification and tagging, you know, all these reviews, especially when you have a lot, you can learn so much about what could be added to this content, sometimes even the title, that will really improve performance that will not quite make sense to try to put into an ad targeting, you know, situation or into the SEO plan. There are nuances there. And so sure, sometimes it reinforces value, but other times it sets or even resets expectations about the product to help, you know, stave off reviews. Like this is how it's going to be when you use it. Sure. And so I'll give an example of this. Uh, two, actually. During the pandemic, we worked with this awesome uh, 
startup that was doing just some, some really cool stuff and, you know, dish soap and laundry detergent and all, you know, plant uh, based eco-friendly stuff during the pandemic selling hand soap. That was a good time. Um, but it was a different kind of soap and it, it left a different feeling on people's hands. And some people are kind of complaining about it. And the truth was if they had just washed their hands a little bit longer, they wouldn't even, it's like you're, you're stopping short. Um, so we had to talk about that in depth. Like, how are we going to say that? How do we, you know, stave this off? We don't want to get bad reviews. Sure. And ultimately it was saying this, this is going to feel different on your hands and here's why. Okay. And we saw a significant change. The other one was uh, pretty straightforward. So a, uh, a sweetener product and a lot, it was, we did the, the analysis and it was, there was lots of love and lots of hate about, um, how sweet it was. And the, it became very clear from the analysis, the folks that were willing to experiment said, yeah, once I adjusted, I love it. This is a great product. Mm-hmm. Uh, with maybe it's a little too sweet at first over here said, hate it. It's way too sweet. And mentioned nothing about sure. adjusting. And so what got put into the content was a little goes a long way. And that actually was a phrase that thousands of people used across competitors as well. And so that's one example of a real implementation that sets an expectation for the product itself. It also brings them closer to it and helps them, you know, feel like, okay, I, I already have some thoughts about how I'm going to use this, or maybe I'm going to adjust. There's just all kinds of uh, great benefits there. But anyway, those are, those are two fun examples. I, I, I love use. those examples too. Cause they, like some folks when they're approaching Amazon, it's like, okay, I'm going to try to get sales at all costs, but you don't want to get sales at all costs. You want to get the right type of sales because <laughs> right. there's, there's a big reputational piece that comes in and social proof is so big on Amazon. And what's yep. fun with how you frame it up too, is what could be perceived as a negative without those right expectations can now be perceived as a positive going forward. So this soap, it feels a little bit different, but now since I know to expect that, maybe I feel like it's doing even more and I got to wash my hands a little bit more. Or the right. same for the sweetener. Like now that I have that expectation, okay, maybe I don't have to use as much because it's really sweet. All right, this is great. And it's sweeter than the other stuff. Like, But it's the expectation going into it and setting the right expectation. Yeah, you may lose some people, but they're probably going to be the people that leave the one-star reviews and take down future sales too. Um, so I love that. Absolutely. Yeah. And we can't outrun that anymore. You, you know, there were, there were lots of times, you know, as Amazon's just continually booming where some products could just hit it and ramp so fast that the negative reviews weren't fast enough to hold them back, but that's just not true anymore. Sure. So, yeah, so that's it. That's a good one. The other, you know, is, is categorical, right? We think about the difference between CE products and the challenge of Oh my gosh, this is a smart device. And there's so many things we could talk about. So getting the brand's priorities, the consumer's priorities, and making sure the right stuff hits there and not as long as it makes sense for the brand, not being too worried that this one thing we always talk about, maybe on our website or how we present this in other markets, isn't at the top because we're really paying attention to what consumers want and the confirmation they need. And then yes. That's what A plus is for to continue that story and fill in all the details. So if we think about, we've done a lot of work in groceries, CPG kind of OTC stuff. 
there's always a great opportunity for most of those products for what we usually refer to as, you know, assurances and certifications. You know, the, I, I like the word assurance because it, it, uh, it makes you think differently about the content when you go to find these things, you know, especially sure. with organic products, you know. Um, so why is this good for me? Why is this safe? And sometimes it's simple iconography that's just laying out all the, you know, whether it's, you know, cruelty free or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. But in the order priority from the data first. Yeah. So let's, let's just kind of summarize. So key things. All right. If I'm looking at say my product detail page, things to focus on first, I'll just kind of walk through a quick priority list and then we can kind of wrap it up from there. Absolutely. Okay. Start with the data, get it prioritized, get it cleaned up, make sure you understand it, get that sentiment analysis in there. Okay. And then starting at the top main image, make sure that it elevates your, your brand value. That is the best you could possibly look. Forget best in class, go for world class at all costs. Make sure that there's some depth to the image. Make sure it's easy to discern. And, and that is clear. You know, there's a lot of challenges in multi-packs and things. It's tough, push, get through it and test it. Stepping into the product page, hit that elevator pitch. Nobody's gonna regret doing it, I promise. Then as you move through all those priorities, Keep returning to the data. That is something that we all fall victim to as we kind of start with a strategy or a plan, and then it's back here at the starting line, and now we're iterating on the data. Keep it close the whole time. Whenever you have conversations with a designer, keep it on screen right next to you. These are the priorities. Uh, and, and continue to move through that. And keep in mind the flow and the timing. Think about video views and how folks fall off at different times. We don't currently have any data that tells us how many images folks swipe through or scroll through vertically on mobile, but we can assume that lots of people don't see all of them. Sure. And so that is why I always stress an order of priority, always. Yeah. And, and as we walk through the rest of the page, make sure that you take advantage of that, you know, the, the, the brand story, that that placement is, you can even showcase other products. Uh, that's an incredible, place to, you know, kind of cross sell, tell the brand story, also just take up more real estate to block out any interference. And that A plus should, of course, as we all know, reinforce the brand. It should uh, fill in the gaps, educate, offer at the very, you know, I usually like the comparison matrix right at the end. It's like, okay, okay, if don't leave my shop yet. Uh, what about some of this? And yeah. I think that's a great way to look at it and leverage those alt tags. They're still important. Uh, and yeah, make sure that you really get the most out of all that data through the back end and all that in the SEO stuff, which we're not talking about creative too much here today, but those, those meta tags are important there. Sweet. I love it. So if, if people want to find out more about you, Michael, or connect with rocket bike, where should they go? Uh, they can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Of course, always happy to chat and, you know, content strategy with anybody, uh, or reach out to us on rocket Mike. I love it. I love it. Well, Michael, really appreciate the approach. I love the data-driven start and continually testing, but then confirming with data. Um, and so really appreciate you sitting down and sharing your insights on the podcast. Thank you so much. It was fun. I really appreciate it.
Yeah. And for all those listening, as always, we really appreciate you uh, joining the podcast. And as always, we'll see you on the next episode of The Ad Project.